word for what we ought to do. Now, he will lead us in different pathways for our life. Not everybody's going to be led to be a pastor. Not everybody's going to be led to certain type ministry. Not everybody's going to be called to be a missionary, okay? But we all need to be in God's word to experience for our, us individually what his will is for our life. Um, and in Ecclesiastes, there's a couple of verses in there that refer to chasing the wind. And in my life, I felt like that that's kind of what I was doing, you know, being uh, a pastor's kid, just being in and out of church, you know, not really taking church serious. And we'll see in a moment how serious church is. But I was so insensitive to people. I mean, extremely insensitive. Let me give you an example. I, there was a time in my life where someone maybe would come to me and say, hey, I've got to, uh, I want to talk to you about something. Okay, what's, what's going on? Man, I'm going through this, 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 and this. I've got financial troubles or I've got something I'm struggling with. Maybe my marriage is struggling. I was so insensitive to what they were saying, literally, it was like going in one ear and out the other because of the way I reacted. Because you know what I would, you know how I would respond to that? Especially if it was a guy I was talking to. Hey man, can I show you this, uh, these pictures that I got on my trail camera of this nice buck that I've, I've seen come in? How insensitive is that? And see, the more, the reality is, is the more we come to the place to where we pursue Christ, His righteousness and His holiness... You see, the things of this world will matter, will matter less to us. Not saying that I love to hunt. I'm passionate about hunting. But it's not primary in my life. Okay? It's, it's changing for me. Because that's what happens. When we pursue Christ and we begin to pursue what His Word says and His will for our life, then things begin to matter less. And He matters more. But many of us, are we think we're flying upside, uh, right side up when we're really flying upside down in our walk. We put so many other things above Christ being primary in our life. we got to quit doing that as a church if we are ever going to be what Christ wants us to be through his church. What's interesting is that sin is something that we all know is out there. We know that, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called The Invisible War by Rob Randall. I I wish you'd go pick this book up. And it says that usually demonically troubled believers battle in these areas. Listen to these areas real quick. Illicit sexual practices and fantasies out of control. Now, this is what Satan is trying to attack us with as believers. Deep-seated anger, bitterness, hatred, rage, rebellion, often leading to destructive or self-destructive impulses, a sense of rejection, guilt, poor self-esteem, unworthiness and shames, leading to, in some cases, alcohol and drug abuse. When I was out in Dallas, like I was saying before in that meeting, I I met up with some guys, uh, friends of friends, and we ended up, believe it or not, going to this church because the guys that were there living in Texas were in what they call a transitional house. They were struggling with addiction, chemical addiction. Okay, so they said, hey, man, we're going to go to this meeting tonight, and we want you to come. I mean, 
I was like, I felt honored. I was like, yeah, I'll go. You know, let's, you know, we're, let's go. I mean, we didn't have anything else to do. We're out of town, and we'd already eaten dinner. So normally I just go back to the hotel room and do nothing. So I said, let's go check it out. So we ended up going, and, and turns out it was a, a, a CA meeting. All right? Some of you in here may know what that is. It's Cocaine Anonymous Meeting. And it was an open meeting, okay? I wasn't there for myself. It was an open meeting, but I'm glad I went because I think God puts us in situations sometimes that are out of our normal life and flow because to, to kind of give us a different perspective on things. And so I went in there, and it was in this massive church, and we were walking you know, to get to this room where they were going to hold this, uh, this meeting. And when I walked in, I was just absolutely floored because of the age range of the people that were in that room. I don't know why. Forgive me for being, being ignorant because I, I felt just absolutely ignorant prior to that, or I was ignorant, rather, and to the fact that for some reason I'm thinking cocaine is something that somebody does in the streets of Atlanta living under a bridge, which I'm sure that happens. But the room that I walked in was kids just, just older than them. So I'm talking about a cocaine anonymous meeting, guys. So don't, we can't fool ourselves in thinking that Satan is not on the attack. And that's why I say we need to be with one another against our sin because we need one another. We know we need God, but we also need one another to get through what we're going through. What's interesting in that meeting that I was at is many of them referred to a spiritual being to help them in their situation. And that's why we got to be extremely careful how we approach people with our approach to share Christ because we may only have one shot, you know, and you can be 100% right in what it is that you're saying and 100% wrong in your presentation. So be mindful of that. And these guys were hurting. Their next hope was maybe another week of being, of sobriety, another week, maybe, maybe two weeks. I will say this, they, I wish I could get them all in here to speak um, minus some of the choice words they use. But hey, you know, these guys are hurting and they're going through some stuff. And um, I could actually see a church member say, you know, I heard what you said. I know, you, I know you're struggling with something um, that's a chemical addiction, but you really shouldn't have said that cuss word. The Bible says, you know, we shouldn't cuss. I mean, come on, we got to be, you know, have a little bit of wisdom and knowing that we can push people away with our approach. I've seen it. I've been in church since I was you know, a newborn. I know and I see how people respond to certain things. We have to be sensitive to that. Not saying that we agree with it, but we have to be sensitive. You know, sociologists actually say, and they did a study recently on spirituality in America, and they say a few things, that there is actually enormous spiritual hunger today in America enormous spiritual hunger. And my question is, is who's teaching these people? Because the church clearly is not teaching these people. The church, the church, not specifically this one, but we fall short as well when it comes to 
sharing the gospel and getting these people what they need to hear, the truth, the word of God. There's a hunger there. But the second thing that they did on this study was that at the same time, there's a move away from institutional religion, churches we know it coming together. It said that 81% of Americans answered yes to this question. Do you believe you can be a good Christian without attending church? So here's the way we should ask that question, all right? Can God be powerfully at work in your life apart from being part of Christ's body, the church? And if you study the New Testament and you understand the teachings of Jesus, every time you will find the answer to that question consistently and without exception, no, you can't. The church is extremely important. And I know what you're thinking because many of you are like, hey, I'm at church. I'm on your side. I'm here today. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a good person, right? Well, I'm smart enough to know because you can't, the old saying, you can't snow the snowman. I've been in church long enough to know that just because you're here does not mean you're here. If you understand what I'm saying by that. Because especially as husbands in here, we can be in the living room with our wives and our kids and, you know, wife having a whole conversation with you, your kids having a whole conversation with you, and you hear nothing. And I think that's what happens a lot of times when we come to church. And, you know, we, we've got to understand that church is important and God sees and views church as extremely important. I heard a pastor one time say, which this is pretty pretty good saying for today being that it's Super Bowl Sunday. A pastor said it this way one time. A church is a lot like a professional football game. You've got 22 players on the field in desperate need of rest and thousands in the stands in desperate need of exercise. And I thought that was pretty cool. And, and it's so true, you know. I mean, people who serve in the church, well, sometimes we get tired, we get weary. We wish, we wish that others would just get off the sidelines and get in the game, you know, because time is short. I just told you that I'm going to be you know, celebrating my 20th year next year out of high school. And that's just, it blows my mind at how quickly time goes by. So I've got a couple questions for you this morning. Why must we be part of the church? Why? Why do you come every day, every Sunday? Well, first of all, we need to understand that the spirit of Jesus doesn't just dwell fully in one person. Okay? The spirit of Christ dwells fully in all of us, all right? Um, that means a couple of things. If you want to know Christ more, you must be intimately connected to his body. Notice I said, not just show up on Sundays, but intimately connected. See, it's for you. Think about your life for a minute. When you get out of church and you get out of Christian fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, think about that. What, tends, what happens to you? You answer that for yourself. I'm just telling you what I know what I do. If, I'm out of, if I miss one Sunday or if I, if I start hanging out with other people who are in pursuit of other things other than godly things, you better believe it's going to affect your walk. And you would be a fool not to think that. 
because we all know that it does. In Ephesians 3.10, it says, if you want to turn there, you can. In Ephesians 3.10, it says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Now, many of you probably heard the word manifold before, and it's not talking about the manifold that's in your vehicle. It's talking about that word actually meaning many folds or multifaceted. Okay? You see, there's part of God's wisdom and beauty revealed in you that is not revealed in me. That's why it's important that we come together and we worship together in one accord. Well, the next thing is if you want God to carry out his desired work for you in your life, you must be part of the church. All right? A lot of people, I've seen this so much in my life, a lot of people just expect that plan A is that, hey, God, I need some help. I need some help in this situation. Can you just do like an airstrike and just kind of, you know, zap this situation, my circumstance, my situation? Can you just fix this for me and it just go away and be back to normal? You see, that, believe it or not, that's a lot of people's plan A. All right? And then plan B, and if that doesn't work, then I'll reach out to the church and see if I can get some help there. That's the majority of our society, and we, we act like that. I've done that. Again, this lesson is, let me, let me just say this, this lesson is for me as well, okay? Because uh, I, I do this a lot as well in my life. Say an example would be a, a marriage that's struggling, and you say, God, I need you to help in this marriage. Just, just make, it, make it better. Just, just uh, send a lightning bolt from heaven to hit my wife or hit my husband and make this right. Um, some of you may pray that in terms of, uh, but just, just make it better. Make my wife or my husband or our relationship where we can just come home and be cheery and loving and just selfless again. And well, I, but, but God, if you don't do that, I guess I'll get involved in church and maybe join a small group where others can invest into our relationship and be around people who really and truly care that our marriage, whether it makes it or not, or something of that nature. That's plan B. So plan A is God zaps you. Plan B is that you get to church to help you. But the truth of that is this. The church is plan A, not plan B. We need to understand and come to that understanding that the church is important. Since we're all in the relationship topic there, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for her. Did you hear what that second part of that verse said? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the beginning, I mentioned that I've actually been whooped by a belt in discipline. I'm not a good person. I'm going to be honest with you. and uh, I'm not a good person to come to and complain about stuff going on in the church, okay? Because when you read things like that, not only have I been spanked by the pastor, but at the same time, people are just so, they just complain. They're just going to complain no matter what. But if you read that verse, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, don't come to me and say, I would come to Sunday school, but I just can't get there. It's 10 is just too early. 
when you go to work and you have to be there at 7 or 8 every Monday through Friday. Don't come and complain to me because I'm the worst person in the world you want to come and complain to. Because my family, and I'm not saying this to brag, but we're here from, we're supposed to be here at 9. We normally, get here, we normally drag in about 9.15. But we're here usually until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. So keep your complaints to yourself. Don't bring them to me. I mean, they, don't, I, they seriously fall on deaf ears when, you, when, when people come to me. Or the music's too loud or this and that. Or, you know, I've heard it. I've been around it my whole life. And you know what we need to do? We need to take our energy that we spend in complaining and apply it in serving our Lord and reaching the lost. I mean, why don't we do that? Next question. How involved should we be in the church? And these questions I want you to think about specifically for yourself. Well, based on what we've been talking about, I think a better way to phrase that question is how, do, how involved do you want Christ to be in your life? How involved or how much do you want to get to know him? You know, you're kind of telling on yourself when you say, well, you know, church really isn't that important. You're telling on yourself that you hadn't been in your word. You're telling on yourself when you say, hey, Sunday school is just too early. Because we just read a verse that said that Christ gave his life for the church. And he, remember, he hears you. He hears your words. He hears what you're saying about his church and about how you lack the seriousness of it. And, and, it's, and the thing is, I really and truly believe that people in this room today or people that serve at Solid Rock, they didn't just show up. They were sent. At least I hope you were because that's... You know, that's something we should feel. We should feel that, hey, this is, this is a church for me to get in and serve, not get in and sit and allow mold to grow on us and never be used, you know. But we need to get involved and serve to the point to where if you've been here six months, this is just something that, that I feel. If you've been somewhere six months and you don't know anybody and you haven't done anything, you haven't been involved, you need to get involved. You need to get off the sideline and get in the game. Because there's no reason you can't serve, especially in this church. We do so many different things that are kind of just weird and out there. Maybe that's why some of you don't serve. But that's just part of it, you know. We've got to be creative. I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but we've got to be creative in how we reach the lost. You know, just traditional Sunday school and traditional coming in here and worshiping one another isn't, isn't getting it, you know. We've got to be creative. We've got to do more. We've got to strategize as a group of believers and say, how do we get people who are far from God in these, in these doors? If not, we'll go out to there. And I was talking to a guy at Waffle House just this week where we were talking about going into a community and setting up and, and letting the youth go in and share their faith with some of the kids into a community. Get out from beyond these church walls. But I do believe that it's important that we bring people in too. When's the last time you invited somebody to church? church. Huh? I mean, seriously, I, I'm talking to myself too, because I was put under conviction when I was reading about how much Christ loves his church because he died for it. He gave his life for it. So how involved should we be? And we, we just covered that question. You know, Satan, he's not as concerned about our past or ask concern really about our present. But let me tell you what, he, what, what makes Satan tremble. What God could do through you if you committed your life to him. And begin to serve. Not serving out there in these worldly things that are going to matter 
not matter whatsoever when we stand before Christ. Have you ever played out in your mind? I think of things kind of in a weird way, but have you ever played out in your mind your judgment time before Christ? Ask yourself what he's going to ask you and answer now for yourself. And if you don't have much to say, I feel sorry for you when you stand before Christ because we're all going to hit our face. But some of us are going to be rewarded for our efforts. But play that out in your mind and ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What comes out of you is what you're passionate about. You don't even have to say it. People can see it. The next question is, what, what the mission of the church is. You see, God, he's glorified by the salvation. He, God is glorified by the salvation of a widely diverse people group worshiping and serving him who would otherwise not get along with one another, come together in one place with one common goal, and that's to serve Jesus Christ as, a, as one body united. Justin and I just covered this verse the other day. He shared it with me, and I've read this before, but I'm glad he reminded me that it was in Acts 4, because we're going to be in Acts 3 here in a minute. But it says, Acts chapter 4, verses 32, if you want to read along, all the believers were united in heart and mind. I mean, we could just stop right there. Do you think we're, we're united as a body, as a faith family here at Solid Rock? Because, honestly... If for us to say we're united would actually mean that, and I've been guilty of this in my life over church too, is that, hey, I really don't like that guy over there. I don't like that girl over there. You know, that I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. I just want to, I want everything to do with just me, my family, and my friends. Anybody else in the church, I could care less about. That's not, that's not unity, all right? And then it says, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. How many of you have friends that say, man, I'd let you use that weed eater, but man, I just got it. It's too nice. And I borrowed some weed eaters because I don't, I don't have a lawnmower, a weed eater, a blower, because I, I used to pay somebody to cut my grass. Now I do it. Now I live next to my dad. I just go over and get all his stuff. And he's, he lives by the word because he, should, he lets me you know, use his stuff all the time. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no there were there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. Could you imagine selling something? We're good about buying stuff, but how good are we about selling stuff, especially to further God's kingdom? Can you imagine doing that? I'm, I'm real, Ashley will tell you, I'm real good about getting what I want when it comes. I'll bug her to death. I, I, I saw something I want. I'm just going to go and tell you, I'm going to bug you the next three months till I get it. But this put me under conviction. And bring the money, listen, to the apostles to give to those in need. Wow, are you kidding me? I know we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church. We, we have so much more to learn about the church that God wants us to be. I'll give you an example. Why would we have a food ministry on the hill that we drive by every day or every Sunday? 
and we do nothing. We don't ask questions. We don't ask, hey, how is that food ministry financially? Because I can tell you they're hurt, it's hurting to the point where it's almost going to be closed down. And there's people in this building that could help, but we don't. Well, I say we. I actually do support the food ministry, but I hadn't been able to be up there physically. But that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're called to do is to help the needy and take care of the needy and minister to them. But yet, many of you in here serve, but a lot of you are not serving. All You care less about that food ministry because you don't need it. But one day, you may need something like that. And then you'll, you'll have a whole new appreciation for it because I spent six months up there, and people appreciate being able to get food when they're down on their luck. The problem we have is, is we're all spoiled. But remember, God gives. What does he do, Justin? And he takes away. So you better be managing the money that God's allowed you to have to further his kingdom. So what's the takeaway from some of this? The takeaway is we need to be very active in our church, intimately active in small groups. You say, well, they don't have a small group that's good for me. We'll start one, okay? If you're going to complain about the small group that's not perfect for you, then start one and then get people to come and, and be a part of it. Or join a ministry team or something to get off the sidelines, as I said, and get in the game. Be open to styles that are not like you. Have you ever thought about that? We only want what is comfortable for us. Connect with others, as I was going there a minute ago, connect with others that are not like you. Normally, we connect, as I said, with family and friends, and we need to expand on that. Go to someone that you don't know in this church and say, hey, I'd like to go to... El Chaparro or El Charo or, I mean, there's other places other than Mexican in Covington, but that just seems to be where we go every time. I'm so sick of Mexican food. Um, but Brad, Brad's living with us now. He eats Mexican. He could eat it every day. And I'm like, Brad, man, I'm starting to really not like Mexican. But anyways, connect with people. Invite someone other outside of your your people group. Sometimes I think we, we, get, we get stuck in high school as adults. I mean, isn't that what high school students do? And we, we try our best, try not to be, be, be a cliquish group of people in our youth group. We want people to come into our youth group and feel welcomed and not feel like they got to sit over here in the corner by themselves. Okay? And, but sometimes I feel like adult, as adults, we still, we're still stuck in that. You know? We're still acting like we're in high school. We can only hang out with, with a certain group of people. It's ridiculous. Um, so that's my introduction. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. That is actually just the introduction. But I want us to look quickly in Acts chapter 3. Turn with me there to Acts chapter 3. And I want us to look at how the New Testament church was known for how they cared for each other. But here's the thing. They didn't just care for one another. They cared for each other sacrificially as we just read. So we're going to look at an illustration here in Acts 3. And first of all, I want you to think of community for a second. Of the people that you're around. Don't think of community because we won't do anything when it comes to us and community. If we think community are all these other people that are out there and then there's me. 
No, the community is the people you come in contact with, the people you spend your time with, the people that, that you're around on a regular basis. Yeah, we can reach the community that's out there as well, but I want you to think for a second specifically about those that you're around. Starting in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth walk. Taking him by the right hand and helped him up and walked. And, or, I think I said that right. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walk, walking and jumping and praising God. Then all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were there, they were there and they were filled with wonder and amazement at the at what had happened to him. So I want us to think for just a moment about what made the early church different in in light of this context. And the the thing is is you see they were concerned about the hurts of those around them. So as we unravel these three characteristics that I want us to to look at here. I want us to see how these even relate to us as a faith family here at Solid Rock. This progression is very simple, okay? Peter and John, they're just basically on their way to the temple. And then they notice this guy. Now, obviously, there were others who passed by this same guy that did not notice them. Right, But the first thing in the first progression I want you to see is, first of all, they saw him. And then I want you to think, the first thing we should do is we should see, as an example of this right here, we should see the hurt of those around us. Do we even see the hurt of those around us? Do we even care about the hurts of those around us? Well, Peter and John, they noticed this guy. They didn't just ignore him like many of us do on an everyday basis, myself included. And the question for you this morning is, how well do you see the needs and the hurts of those around you? The second progression, again, this is very simple, but it goes from not just seeing the hurt, but also feeling the hurt. So second, we feel the hurt. When the Bible says in verse 4, this is cool, Peter looked straight at him. That's a word that Luke uses a couple of different times, okay? The first time is in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended into heaven. It says the disciples looked up into heaven. The second time we see it, or the other time we see it, is in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen, if you remember that story, when he was about to be stoned to death and Luke was... Real intentional, he said that Luke looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
So Luke is being very intentional here when he's referencing Peter and John. It wasn't like they just happened to glance over and see this guy. He's being very intentional that in comparison to those other two, it's more, it was more of a look, a fixed gaze, or a look of an emotional connection between Peter and John and this guy. And then the third, we move from not just seeing people who are hurting, not just feeling the hurt with those people, but finally touching the hurt. Basically, doing something about it. You know, many of us will come into this church Sunday after Sunday, and it's almost as if we're some kind of fake gathering, as if we just come in and we leave Sunday after Sunday, and we never meaningfully engage in one another's lives. And that's not what we're supposed to be about. You see... Some of us in here need to make it their sole purpose and mission in life to reach and look for people who are far from God and bring them here. But if we bring them here, what are they going to see? Are they going to what are they going to feel? Are they going to feel a church that's loving and compassionate towards one another? Because the way we act towards one another is important for visitors when they come to pick up on that. It is doubtless that there are so many people here today who are hurting. Some of us, honestly, are hurting with physical struggles. Many of us have come in here with some things that are going on emotionally that we try to hide. There are numerous family issues represented here today. Maybe You've got divorced parents or the effects of that. Maybe you've gone through a divorce yourself and the effects of that. All kinds of a different, different um, emotional and spiritual issues. Some of us here this morning, maybe we're on sp- different spiritual levels. Some of us are walking very intimately with God. Some of, them, some of us are, are cold in our relationship with God. All kinds of needs this morning that are represented here today. But what if... What does a people look like, though, that not just sees each other's needs, feels each other's needs, but begins to reach out and touch each other's needs the way that Christ calls us to do? One last thing that I want you to see that's so cool about the, this story and where it's placed in the Bible. In chapter 2, if you look back a chapter, in verse 41... It says, those who accepted the message that Peter preached were baptized. And how many were added to the church that day? 3,000 people. I'd say that was a pretty successful day, wouldn't you? 3,000 people came to know Christ and were added to the church. So things are going well in the early church. And then if you turn over to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 We see that Peter and John preached, and actually they were in jail, and it says, But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. That's awesome. That's incredible. But right here in the middle of those two chapters, we see a picture of Peter and John reaching out to this guy that nobody else, most people just... 
walked past possibly or didn't really care for. And it it teaches us something here in chapter 3 that our church and the church today needs to get a hold of. And that is this right here. Those who are most effective in reaching the many will be those who are most passionate about reaching the one. Let's pray.